0: Welcome to the Doug Collins Show, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There's never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. You want to listen to a podcast? By who? Georgia GOP Congressman Doug Collins. How how is it? The greatest thing I have ever heard in my whole life. I could not believe my ears. This house, wherever the rules are disregarded, chaos and mob rule. It has been said today, where is bravery? I'll tell you where bravery is found and courage is found. It's found in this minority who has lived through the last year of nothing but rules being broken, people being put down, questions not being answered, and this majority say, be damned with anything else. We're going to impeach and do whatever we want to do. Why? Because we won an election. I guarantee you, one day you'll be back in the minority, and it ain't going to be that fun. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Just last week, we did our first of the look-aheads, fear for the 2024 campaign that is uh the senate races we knocked down 10 different states in which they are toss-ups or maybe lean republican also though and are lean uh, to a toss-up which i think they're lean republican and, and democrats are not going to have the chance that's texas and florida the rick scott race the ted cruz race i think both of them are going to win re-election uh be close there'll be a lot of money spent in each of them at the end of the day i don't see those as, as flippable seats Uh, for the Democrats, which puts them in a very tough position because at least three to four of the Senate races are very flippable. In fact, one is pretty much of a certain, that's West Virginia. uh, Montana, Ohio, uh, Pennsylvania are all uh, very realistic flippable seats with Montana and Ohio being the better of those two, Pennsylvania coming in after that. Uh, I think Nevada is a possibility. Arizona, when it gets shook out to see who's actually running there, will be your next big part. But we're going to get into – The House and presidential races will also play a part of this uh, this year as we move forward. And and as we go through the year, look at governor's races in some states and others that could affect turnout, uh, issue-orientated with abortion, with border, and other things. So we'll look at these as we go forward uh, together here on the Doug Collins Podcast. But right after the break now, we're going to discuss the House, go through some of the the things that went up last year in the House, and then see what chances Republicans have to either – maintain a small margin of majority or even maybe possibly enlarge that i will say a little uh teaser here this one is going to get interesting democrats have their best chance uh in some of these seats due to some issues we're going to discuss uh of possibly flipping the house in this next cycle republicans have got to be vigilant in these house races as we go forward so right after the break let's get into the house races and the presidential race Hey, everybody, you know about Legacy Precious Metals. Legacy Precious Metals, you hear from, uh, we talk once a month, we talk about Legacy Precious Metals, talking about Precious Metals being part of your portfolio, how they're your navigator. Well, now they're not only navigating in a new way, uh, they're actually giving you a new way to buy gold and silver. In fact, Legacy Precious Metals has put and developed a revolutionary new online platform that allows you to invest in real gold and silver online. In a few easy steps, you can open an account online, select your metals of choice, and choose to have them stored in. A vault or ship to your door. I'm more of a ship to my door kind of person. I enjoy having them uh, with me, and but they can do it either way, and you can now do it online. It gives you real access to uh, a dashboard where you can track your portfolio growth in real time, anytime. You'll see transparent pricing on each coin and bar. This puts you in complete control of your money. This platform is free to sign up for. Just visit LegacyPMInvestments.com and open your account and see this new investing platform for yourself. Gold hedges against inflation and is against, uh, and against a volatile stock market. A true diversified portfolio isn't just more stocks and bonds, but a different asset class. This platform allows you to make investments in gold and silver, no matter how small or large, with just a few clicks. Remember, do as I have done. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com and get started today, and now you've got a new tool to help you along in your investments. Hey, everybody, I've got some exciting news for you. My Pillow is excited to bring you their biggest bedding sale ever and just in time for Christmas. For a limited time, you can get the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98. A set of pillowcases for only $9.98. Rejuvenate your bed with my pillow mattress topper for as low as ninety nine ninety nine. Can you believe this? They also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles. They even have blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. All of these with biggest discounts of the year are happening now. They are Also extending their money-back guarantee for Christmas until March 1st, 2024. I guarantee you, though, you're not going to need that. Making them a perfect gift for your friends, your family, and everyone you know. So go to MyPillow.com, use the promo code Collins, C-O-L-L-I-N-S, or just call 1-800-986-3994, and you'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding products, including the Giza dream bed sheets for as low as twenty nine ninety eight, and get all your shopping done now while quantities last. Get this shopping in as you go. Believe me, as someone who uses these sheets, who uses these pillows, you will not regret it. You'll make a Merry Christmas for somebody on your list. Alright, we're back. Um, First off, let's discuss uh, the just the overall nature of what's going on. And that being the presidential race being over the top of all of the races that we're going to talk about. This is a turnout heavy general election. The uh, races for president always tend to be the uh, years in which. Turnout is heaviest because there are there are people literally out there and and if you're one of them, I really wish that you would take the initiative to vote in all the elections, but there are people who only vote in presidential years. They'll only come out and vote for president for a Republican Democrat. Um, That's all they'll ever do. And they don't come out for the off year Senate races, house races and, and others that many of the States find themselves in. So this is, you're dealing with several things that make this an interesting year. Not only in those Senate races that I spoke of last week, but also in the house races that I spoke, I'm going to talk about today because this presidential race and the tones of the presidential race, are going to be uh, important as we look ahead to seeing what actually uh, kind of turnout, how momentum and all sh- uh, shifts and, and wanes uh, as determined by the presidential candidates. So let's look at it right now. First, first week in January, the Republican candidates who are still in are still in. You have Donald Trump, who is the, frankly, the presumptive nominee right now based on polling and based on the, the things that we're seeing across the country. The from now till March fifth, which is I think Super Tuesday, this race will be over. I I truly believe it will be, and I think Donald Trump will be the nominee just uh, because of the inherent advantages that he has. The fact that he has a base of thirty to forty five percent, depending on which state you're in, that we're going to vote for him no matter what. None of the other candidates have that. In fact, the the most that a candidate uh, other than Donald Trump could claim is ten to fifteen percent. Hard vote for, and that's going to be no. That's going to be still twenty points or, or more less than Donald Trump. Uh, the others that are still in there: Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Chris Christie, Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy, Asa Hutchinson is still there for for some unknown reason, uh, but he is still running. Really, this is going to break down to this: Ramaswamy ran a campaign that. Uh, energized folks for this, the stuff that he said, but never really was able to make move past the contradictions in a lot of what he said. And that's not to be uh, harsh. It's just being honest that this is a candidate who at times chased clicks, it appeared, more than he chased votes. And I get the idea. We hear this a lot now. I'm the outsider. You got to have radical ideas. But when you give contradictory answers on things such as foreign policy, even domestic policy, and others, people have a legitimate I'm-not-sure-about-you uh, statement. Uh, Vivek has, a, I think, a bright future. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can uh, get more and more focused in these campaign efforts if he chooses to run again. I just don't see him, uh, you know, making it past, you know, really I or anywhere else past this. He can do it on his own wealth, but it's not going to affect uh, the difference. Then you got Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis when first brought out was going to be the uh nominee. It was just assumed he would take down Donald Trump. He had been elect- re-elected as governor in the state of Florida by this overwhelming majority. He had taken over democratic counties. Everything was going good and then you know, Ron DeSantis decided to play coy for 5 months. And during that time Donald Trump Framed him, named him, and beat him. Bottom line. Framed him, named him, and beat him. And that's the name of the game in politics, especially in primaries. You, you frame the issue, you frame the candidate that you're running against in the terms that you want to frame him. You name him, you tell him. You tell the voter exactly what the problems are, and you name the problems, and then you beat him. And I think that's exactly what's happening. We're a week or two weeks away from uh, Iowa and Ron DeSantis can't, is looking, is slipped actually to fourth in some polls. He's a distant sec, third, a distant second in every other Iowa caucus. They're praying for a miracle in Iowa. But when, let me just say this, when your campaign starts talking about um, poll numbers not being accurate, wait for this mysterious flood of people to show up on caucus Now, Could it happen? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say it can't. But when that's where your talking points Typically, that's coming from a campaign that is losing. Never Back Down was the Super PAC set up to promote uh, Ron DeSantis, and they have spent hundreds of millions of dollars in trying to do so, and basically all have but folded now. They quit buying ads the last week. They've not buy any, they're not buying any ads going into the, to the caucus night. Uh, The campaign is doing very little uh, among ads. They're making visits out there, but you can just see a general defeat uh, thought many times among the DeSantis campaign. I know Ron uh, DeSantis. I've worked with him when he was in Congress. You know, I think he, he does have a lot of, Uh, you know, good ideas that did work in Florida, but he's up against Donald Trump and Donald Trump knows how to campaign. And Donald Trump is the momentum gainer and winner in this election up to this point. So it's going to be, you know, he just doesn't have a lane and and then his political style is just so unlike what Americans are looking for right now. They're looking for charisma. They're looking for, you know, somebody who can passionately discuss things with them and make them excited. And Ron just, you know, DeSantis as governor has just not uh, made that connection yet. You have Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, um is the darling of the of the media especially the the liberal media who want to find a replacement for donald trump the reality though is is the closest she is is in new hampshire and she's still pretty much double digits down in new hampshire she's second or third at best and second at best third at, most likely in iowa down 30 to 40 points she is then going into south carolina nevada uh, down by multiple double digits in, in those states, it's hard to see a path for DeSantis and a legitimate path for DeSantis and, and Haley after New Hampshire. Uh, both of them, I think, have put everything they have for for DeSantis. It's Iowa for Haley. It's, it's uh, New Hampshire, and then just the past week with her slavery answer or lack of answer, and then the repeated uh, problems developed out of her uh, clarification has caused others to. Maybe say this is not, uh, you know, the, a viable alternative that we thought it may have been. Chris Christie has one hope, one hope alone. That's it's New Hampshire. If he could somehow pull up an upset in New Hampshire, which polls do not show happening, or he gets in second with a stronger showing, uh, keeps him there. The problem is the Haley DeSan- the Haley Christie voter is the same voter, and you know, again, when you split that vote, it puts both of them at disadvantage. And I think the Haley folks had hoped. Christie would be out by now. He's not out. He will not get out uh, after Iowa. He will stay in through at least New Hampshire. And for for Haley, that pretty much at this point dooms her trying to, to pull an upset mm-hmm. over uh, Donald Trump in New Hampshire. And even if she did somehow pull out a small victory in New Hampshire, uh, she's coming into Nevada and South Carolina and Super Tuesday, in which her poll numbers across the rest of the country are not there. Now, what they depend on is that they come into the race, they get momentum out of a, a win or a strong second, and that carries them to other states. But remember, this is Donald Trump right now, and, and there's a base out there that just supports him. And it's not like any other election at this point as you go forward. Uh, so when you look at those main ones, Donald Trump has a path to win Iowa, win New Hampshire, uh, win Nevada, win South Carolina, and then run a muck on Super Tuesday, in which he will win most every state through the South um, by large margins, that there is a legitimate way to have this wrapped up before uh, the first the last week, or the first week of March, by the end of that week, that it could be wrapped up. That actually plays well for all those. And this is one of the reasons why you saw Jack Smith pushing to get clarification on a, uh, appeals process so that he can start his uh, case as soon as possible. Um, because the cases are already looked upon as political uh, election interference. They're going to be even more so if Donald Trump is the presumptive nominee of the Republican Party. That's just the plain and simple fact of it. Joe Biden, on the other side, he, they, all the only way Joe Biden is not on the ballot is Joe Biden decides he doesn't want to be on the ballot. And let's don't play this idea that Dean Phillips or anybody else is going to win a primary. It's just not there. The Democratic Party has it set up where they can choose uh, their nominee. If you don't believe it, ask Bernie Sanders. OK, um, Bernie actually uh, was the victim of that in 2016 with Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton folks had you know, found their way to uh, make her the nominee. And at the same point, they would attack anything that got close to Hillary uh, running for president. So you're going to see the same thing here. They're going to protect Joe Biden. Joe Biden's biggest issues, and we're going to talk about this much more after the primaries are settled, Joe Biden has an economy that people don't like. He's not likable in the sense that they feel like he is old and not in touch with the world around him. Uh, And then you have the real issues that people are paying more for groceries, people are paying more for gas, people are paying more for houses and loans and all these kind of things that will come back. And and many, many times uh, the real issue of November is the economy. Do I feel like the country's in the right direction? And if you were going on that with Donald Trump, against Donald Trump, who had a, a clear vision, who actually did pass tax cuts, whose economy was booming, people had work, the gas prices were cheaper, inflation was non, basically non-existent. It's going to be a, a very much contrast from Donald Trump saying, here's what I did, here's what he did, which would you prefer? I think that's going to be the, the basis as we turn uh, this thing out on the presidential side. So right now, it's all shaping up to be a Trump-Biden uh, rematch, and most polls are showing that uh, if that be the case, then Donald Trump will be the, not only uh, the 45th president, he'll be the 47th president as well. Now let's turn to the house and we're not going to get into a lot of names in the house. We'll do that as we get closer, but there are seats, uh, the 435 seats in the house. Uh, it's tough for the Democrats to, to try and overcome this, uh, mainly because of just the lack of flippable seats. Now they have worked themselves back into a much closer possibility by the redistricting uh, panel in New York, in essence, taking out six Republican seats. Now, Republicans can still possibly win those seats, but it was drawn in such a way that Democrats should be favored in those seats. So looking at this, there's seats picked up there. There's one seat picked up in Alabama. They tried to pick one up in Georgia. Georgia's legislature redrew the maps, met the judge's intention. Those were turned back. Uh, it doesn't seem to be at this point, a, uh, discussion on, uh, you know, really, is the maps legal because the judge has already said they're legal? You're not going to pick up a, a, a state, another congressional seat for Democrats in Georgia. You will in New York and Alabama if those uh, maps are holding like they are. North Carolina did a redistricting, which actually gave Democrats defeats So, uh, of two or three seats. So if you see sort of the, the, right now, the redistricting power plays that are being going on, and this just comes from the Obama-Eric Holder uh, school of thought— It it makes it possible for Democrats, but it doesn't give them a a definite uh, path to majority as we go here. So uh, these are going to be the big races um, as we look at it. And really, uh, as you look ahead, these could be the last in the next couple of races, the last big races that you're going to have for all the seats in places like California, New York, Illinois, where they're going to actually be losing seats. It looks like uh, due to uh, the census. In uh, a changing demographics. And you're going to have places like Georgia, Alabama, uh, Texas, Florida, gaining multiple seats uh, in some of those states and in single seats and others that will be uh, plugged into the 2030 uh, census as we go. So, you know, the Republicans control the chamber with a very narrow majority, 10 seats uh, toward the end of. Uh, when they came out, the party holds held at 1.222 Democrats have had 212. However, since then we have down to 220 after getting rid of George Santos and Kevin McCarthy uh, leaving. And then Bill Johnson is scheduled to leave in the end of September. So there is a distinct possibility we could get down to two seat majority, not a three seat majority and be sitting at 219 uh, going forward here. Now, although that is, If you were a Democrat, you'd think, okay, great, we got a chance here. Eh, hold the brakes just a little bit here, pump the brakes, because the makeup of the toss seats are not completely in the Democrats' favor. Right now, most political forces, I'll use Cook as an example, they list 24 uh, complete uh, seats as complete toss-ups, and among those 24, nine are held by Democrats, 15 are held by Republicans. Uh, So you would have to run the table in many ways to to bring it back. Now, seats that are going to be uh, interesting for Democrats. Democrats in Colorado uh, have a, an interesting seat in the eighth uh, Cavaro seat. There, you got Jared Golden in Michigan. Uh, the open seat we mentioned this during the Senate uh, races. least Slotkin seat is open. It is a possibility for Republicans if they can get their stuff together up there. Uh, North Carolina's uh, Don Davis and also this will update because North Carolina has changed that a lot many a couple of the Repu- Democrats have already said they're not running. Republicans will pick up those seats. Uh, you got Republican uh, Democrat in New Mexico second, uh, Ohio uh, 13th. again possible uh, Democrat. Uh, losses here. And then of course you have Pennsylvania, Susan Wild and Matt Cartwright, the seventh and eighth. These are always in counties that are sort of bellwether counties for the country. How these counties go is how the rest of the country go. It's going to be interesting to see if without the spotlight on them, but the spotlight going to be more on the Senate race in Pennsylvania and the presidential race coming through uh, Pennsylvania as well. Can they hold on to what uh, they were looking for to win uh, a majority? It's going to be difficult Uh, with uh, those but Wild and Cartwright both have survived these seats for several times already and you know we'll have the backing to to try and keep this Washington three this Washington state three Perez out there uh, this would be an instrument I think we could actually win this seat if the money if if we can get Republican money and the candidate out there to win this seat I think that could be a pickup uh, for Republicans so anything there uh, any wins in the seats that I just named Add to the Republican majority. Now, Republicans also have to defend 15 seats. They got two in Arizona, Swikert and Siscomani. You have uh, several in California that are going to be difficult. The Duarte, Valadeo, Garcia, and Calvert seats, uh, all in California. Again, California being basically a blue state, except except for the areas outside of San Diego, outside of San Francisco, and outside of uh, Los Angeles. And so it'll be interesting to see if we keep this. The Valadeo seat is uh, up there in the same area as Kevin McCarthy's seat. Kevin McCarthy, who again resigned from Congress on December 31st of this past year, uh, his seat is now open. Uh, Republican seat, it'll be interesting to see how well they keep that uh, seat. Florida's fifth is John Rutherford, and mainly it's because it's around the city of Jacksonville. But John Rutherford is a former sheriff. He's a good guy, he's a good friend. Uh, I think John will overcome this. Uh, and win again uh, in this race as you're looking forward to it. Julia Litlow is, uh, is uh, Louisiana 5th. This was a seat that she won when her husband uh, passed away, who was uh, recently elected. She won it in a special. This will be the first up for her to be uh, reelected. We'll see how that uh, turns out. New Jersey, this could be an issue when given New Jersey politics. New Jersey politics right now are especially with Menendez at the top of the ticket. We didn't discuss that in the Senate races because it's, I don't think the New Jersey seat's a flippable seat. I think it's a seat in which Democrats are going to have to find their candidate and it, Menendez could lose. Uh, but I think it still leans to stay in the Democratic camp. But if there's a lot of uh, ugliness around the indictments around Menendez, the corruption, uh, those kind of things then could actually you know play into the Republicans favor to, to maybe give Thomas Keene in, in New Jersey seventh a, a run for his money. Here you get into the New York issue, and that is Esposito, Lawler, Molinero, and Williams, all in toss-up areas. The maps have been changed. Uh, as that runs itself out, we'll talk more about that uh, in the future. Also, the Oregon fifth, <coughs> Chavez-Dereamer. This is uh, one that we picked up, sort of a surprise pickup, but it could be, um, you know, one that is in play. Uh, as we go forward, so really, as you look at the house uh, perspective here, you look at a lot of seats that we're just going to wait. Just going to have to wait on. And as if we wait on those seats, and uh, you know, coming forward, you know, it'll just depend on how the primary plays out, how the national level plays out. And one of the reasons that we're you know discussing this is especially the house seats and the senate seats. Uh, it, to an extent as well, play off of the momentum of the national campaigns. And so with the national campaigns, the presidential campaigns, how they operate in these different uh, states are going to be key uh, to some of them. And that'd be momentum wise, especially the California, the New York seats, which are are in play. Uh, they, uh, in a wave, they tend to go and in a non-wave they tend to stay where they're at. So we'll, we'll have to keep a watch on that. But, uh, as those will heat up. So I'll tell you right now, we'll probably talk more Senate races going up until June. House races will start forming themselves uh, in the June, July, August Uh, timeframe. A good friend of mine, Richard Hudson, is running the National Republican uh, Congressional Committee, which is the House Republicans in the re-election mode for the campaigns. He is a good political strategist. He is also good uh, at running the committee, raising money and doing the things that are needed to keep those House seats uh, safe so they can not only just protect their margin, but actually grow their margin. We'll see how that runs. DCCC has uh, been raising money. They're raising uh, a good bit. But again, they're going to be dependent a lot on the momentum coming from the from the Joe Biden campaign as well. We'll see if that actually takes uh, effect and takes hold. So with that, those are the races to look for. We've did, uh, like I said last week, we did the Senate races. This week is the look at the presidential and then the House races to be determined uh, as we go forward. We're gonna keep you updated all year here on the Doug Collins Podcast. We're glad to have you join us. Go to the com. check that what email button, let us know what you think. Maybe you've got a race that I missed. Maybe there's some in your state that are going to be a little more interesting. Maybe we will get into primary battles. I mean, because that right now, the House is typically primary battles. It's not as much general election battles. Twenty-four out of four hundred and thirty five considered toss-ups. But you could see some incumbents if they're going to get beat, most of the time incumbents are getting beat in primaries. Um to an extent, it just makes it harder. This is what they fight against. And, um, we'll see how that turns out, especially if there's open seats and we've had a record number of, uh, retirements, uh, moving to other offices, running for other offices in this last year. So we'll see how that uh, goes. Keep a watch at it. We'll have some good times here uh, tracking the primaries and also tracking now to Super Tuesday when I think it honestly it will be over with on the Republican side for Donald Trump, him being becoming the uh, nominee for the Republicans going into the fall, of which you get uh, Biden-Trump, too. And uh, judging by the numbers right now, uh, Donald Trump has the advantage and it'll be interesting to see how that race plays out because Joe Biden can't hide in the basement on this one. And it'll be interesting to see how the two campaigns uh, meld out as we go through the year. So with that, uh, we'll see you next time on the Doug Collins Podcast.